Hi, Mel. It's so far away. I am. I'm sitting on the whole opposite side of the room because I'm so loud. The projecting of my voice. Thank you, nine-year-old Mel's speech classes. Mum actually put me into like speaking classes. I think I was like really shy or something. It was like it was you. like public speaking classes, not like speech impediment. I didn't have a speech oh, yeah. impediment. I had like shyness. Shyness, but now like look at me. Now look at you. <laughs> <laughs> but well, the worked. answer to this is like, you know, don't put your kid into <laughs> like public speaking classes because they'll end up like me, which is a very loud domineering person. I did drama mm. as like a confidence builder. But I'm not loud. No. But, but you're I, confident. I'm confident. So yeah. I suppose that worked. I project a lot. Yeah. You use an outdoor voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, hi. Hi. It's exciting to be back in the hosting chair after you kicked things off last week. Yep. I'm excited to hear a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I'd give some background as to why we had such a long hiatus. Yep. That kind of came from me because Zesties, I have some exciting news. There's a mini Zesty on the way. (laughs) (laughs) A mini Zesty. Um, So I just like had aversions to food and also to crime podcasts where literally the thought of listening to like Case File or even my favourite murder, even a funny one. I wanted to vomit just thinking about it. So let alone researching one and hosting it, I just needed a bit of time off, which coincided with us finishing the season anyway. So you, you timed you timed the baby zesty yes. production very well. Yeah. So that's the reason why in the mystery minutes with Alicia I was the only one that was sober. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank God <laughs> that, that you were clarifying good. that. I feel like I seemed like this road beast yeah. of a woman who was like <laughs> fucking next level. I know. And I would have been. You know I would have been. I know. It's probably good that yeah. you. It goes as far back as the the mystery minutes with the gals from After Work Dreams I know. as well. Because I had like one sip of wine because we were like being secretive. Like you knew about it. But yeah. they didn't. So it wasn't my usual zesty self then either. Um, it really feels like 84 years of know. knowing about this. And I now I'll, I don't have to keep it a secret. Yeah. It's a relief for you. Yeah. Um, it really is. For me. <laughs> uh, it's all about me, guys. <laughs> this is not about Josie and her tiny baby zesty that she's giving life to in her womb. This is about yes, me. It's all about you. And how you. long I had to keep a secret <laughs> for. <laughs> um, yeah. So I thought... Um, I just the thought of like I was listening to Crime Junkie and they were all like about kids that have been abducted and I was just like, I can't do this. I started like freaking out. So, of course, I've chosen abducted children. Yes. (laughs) As my case. You're like, I'm I'm going to come back (laughs) now that I'm, you know, (laughs) at announcement stage of pregnancy and I'm just going to start with abducted kids. Yeah, that's I'm going right there. But um, before that, I wanted to bring up something else. That I'm quite affected by. Oh, yeah. That's changed the way I look at a certain species. Mm, I'm glad you're coming around to the dark side here. That species being birds, which I've always <laughs> stood up for in this podcast and in the group. I even like those creepy African mm-hmm. ones that people always put in and the like um, harpy eagle. Oh, that yeah. Looks like an actual devil. And the geese with the like yeah. serrated tongue. I've always stood up for them, but. The story of little Gizmo, the Chihuahua, mm. who was actually snatched from his backyard while his owner looked on, which is so sad, by a big seagull. Because they're very big in England. They're mm. like eagle they're like, size. Yeah, they're not like the normal size no. ones here. They're enormous. I remember seeing one and being like, what the fuck? It's like <laughs> a seagull ate another seagull. Um, and they've taken Gizmo. And that happened last week. And mm. then today I looked for an update because I keep just hoping they'll find him. Yeah. I need to just say that Josie every day has been like, I'm just going to Google a gizmo update. Like no one is thinking about this dog anymore. As much as I love dogs, like we're not, we're just not thinking about it. And every day I you've been thinking, thinking every gizmo. few hours you mention it, I, I feel. It's the Canadian teens and gizmo. Yeah. I have to know what's happening. And today there was a story about a bone that was found mm. and it does look a lot like gizmo's egg. <laughs> 
does. It looks like Gizmo's it's leg. It's got fur on it still. Oh, Didn't you see it? I no, I haven't seen it. I just saw the thing and just the fact that you're saying it looks like Gizmo is like you. <coughs> yeah. You've now decided that you know what like the I'm sort of physical expert. makeup of Gizmo. <laughs> no, it's Next still got hire fur you. on it. Oh, Gizmo. And it looks like his fur. You know what? I know that I love dogs, mm. but I have this sort of really sort of emotionless attitude towards things like this where I'm like <laughs> the circle of life, man. It's oh the circle God. of life. In the, wor- in the wild, it's like, have you watched Watership Down? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know there's the scene where like it's really fucking fucked up and there's all the little like baby mice or something and they're like hanging mm-hmm. all dead mm-hmm. on the cage because the like hawk got them or some shit. Yeah. And it's like when I was a child that really did traumatise me mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone should be watching that as a child. I don't know why I was allowed to. But – I think mum just thought it was a cute cartoon. Yeah. But actually, it was this really morbid <laughs> sort of analysis of life. life. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably why I'm so existential <laughs> and like fucked up now. But the point being, mm. this shit just happens. This is life. This I is know. like. But it's an it's a bit of a freak occurrence. It's a freak occurrence. <laughs> but then I also just think, you know. But if he was trotting along in the country, a hawk would come and take That's what him I mean. And it'll be fine. But Chihuahuas, they're tiny. I know. And it's a pet. And I get it. I, don't I get know it. why it's affected me so much. And obviously, if it was my dog, I'd be very upset. But it's also just like, you know. Yeah. Like one time, my dog brought us the gift of a little dead bird that had fallen out of a bird's nest in the backyard. And uh, it was sort of like, this is gross, <laughs> but you were just an animal. You're doing, yeah, you think animals. that you're giving us a gift. Sometimes I get a bit offended when I remember that my cats are animals. Because mm. you give them so many human characteristics and you talk to them. And when I like walk into the room and Zoe's got like her legs akimbo and she's like licking her bum hole, I'm like, Zoe, you're a lady. Yeah. <laughs> Stop doing that. But oh my she god! Isn't. She's just an animal. That, that is so true. Hole. Like, we, our, we have a dog behavioralist that comes like every <laughs> fortnight because Millie is such a tiny demon. Yeah. I know it's I, I, it mom, is hilarious. Your my mum is very paranoid about this dog. Mum's hi- mum has hired someone to regularly come and like train <laughs> Mui, mm-hmm. and basically the dog behavioralist was like. So you know that dogs don't do anything unless there's reward in it for them. And yeah. they're like, no, she loves us. That's why she comes and licks us in the morning. And they're like, no, she's just like, yeah. you know, trying to get something out of you, whether it's food or attention or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck you. But now the more and more I'm like, oh, no, that is very, very true. Yeah. But um, Millie, we're like, Millie's a human because we honestly think she can understand English <laughs> because she knows the names of all her toys. Like the other day we went – Millie, go get Humpy. And Humpy is called Humpy because it's this rabbit. And when we got it for her, she immediately just started humping it. And it's the only <laughs> toy that she humps. Like, Oh, wow. I think she's, she thinks she's it's She's into a, Humpy. She really – that's why we called it Humpy because she <laughs> humps it. And we'll be like, go get Humpy. And she'll just like go Whoa, and get that dog. That, I mean, cool. that little rabbit thing. Yeah. That's cool. I know. But then it's kind of creepy. It's sort yeah. of like, can you understand everything we're saying? Yeah. Is that why you know that if you – like if we're giving you treats, we're trying to get you to go into the laundry to go to sleep and that's why you don't yes. do it. Yes, like she's outsmarting you. Yes. She can understand everything Tiny demon, I'm telling you. Um, speaking of animals mm. and drama, mm. um, what about last week how <laughs> I just didn't know there was a house inspection? <laughs> it's like I didn't know where you were going with this and I was like, what's happened? <laughs> yes, this is so um, good. So I was, you know, I've talked about my building before, how there's a bit of a weird energy happening and I was telling everyone in – on the podcast about the passive aggressive notes that have been left in the lobby mm-hmm. about towels and yeah. people stealing towels. So a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a fight, a note fight happening on the <laughs> so notice good. board. My favorite. And Julie thing. and I are obsessed with it because we have <laughs> nothing to do do with it. Like we do all our washing and leave it in our apartment because yeah. we have had a towel stolen yeah. years ago. So we don't trust them. Um, so we just watch on, like eating popcorn and watch these notes appearing. And Julian was like, oh, did you see the latest one? It says there'll be a, an inspection of all apartments tomorrow to oh look God. for the missing towels. And oh, I was my like, God. What? I immediately was like, what? We've got to hide the cats. He was like, no, it was like handwritten. It wasn't like from the real realty place. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it had disappeared when I went to work. So didn't think anything of it. So I was coming home last week and I saw one of the neighbours who writes these notes and he's a bit weird and I was trying to like outpace him. Like he arrived just <laughs> after me. So I was kind of like rushing up the stairs, but he kind of caught up to me. He's like, how are you going? I'm like, yeah, good. 
and I was still walking and then he just said something about an inspection and I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, there's an inspection today. And I'm like, like a real one because I'm pretty sure it was him that wrote that we were having this <laughs> yeah. cow inspection. He's like, yeah, they came today. I saw them. It's like I was here and so was the other, the guy that lives next door to me. And I was like, okay. And I still didn't believe him and then I went through my emails and for some reason they only email me and not Julian even mm. though he's always had like been there for the inspections and had all the correspondence. Yeah. Like he's called them when there was a bird stuck in our wall recently. So he's done all that, but then they always email me and I don't check my email much. And there was a legit (gasps) real estate email saying that there was an inspection that day and that was from two weeks ago. (laughs) So (laughs) the cats, which I just keep picturing them walking in and the cats are just sitting there, the cats that we've hidden for eight years, six years. Like licking their paws, just just staring at them. Oh, you're not our owners. Like they just would have been like. Leroy would have run to the door. Like he's so welcoming. So I'm just mortified thinking about it. And I'll probably get evicted. They haven't said anything, but I think they might be doing it in writing and I'll get it in the letterbox. Oh, my God. So I'm just like living on the edge right now. But I just can't believe because I thought he, he meant a towel inspection. <laughs> i just like, how has this gone from like who stole my towels? There's going to be an inspection to look yeah. for the towels to a real actual a real inspection. inspection. So uh, the real inspection had nothing to do with the towels. I would assume like, so. Cause <laughs> yeah, they can't go through and look for it. But it was just like, I thought he was kidding. Oh, my God. He wasn't kidding. So, you know, I might be homeless, homeless and pregnant. Too, yeah. Which will be a real downer. Interesting. Yeah, it'll be an experience. Yeah. Um, but on the topic of downers, my mystery for the week. Great. Always a downer. Also, I know that we've been rambling, but we just haven't had time to do a mystery minutes, guys. Yeah. So, so there you go. We'll start doing them again. We'll get back on. You know what? We'll yeah. get there, okay? We're trying to please everyone. And you it's know, very hard. This one we're <laughs> doing at the last second because we've got actual jobs. Yeah. And like we do this as part of work, but like it's not like our main like reason we're here every day. Yeah. And so on Friday. Even though it would be so fun if it oh, was. How, that would be so fun. But Friday they're like people off sick and we just had to like stay at our desks. Yeah. And, and we couldn't do it. So this is like it's Monday, so you're getting this tomorrow. Yeah. This is very last it's real time. Us. This is like real time bullshit. Um, usually we'd have a buffer of, you know, Friday and have a few days. But no, this is last minute. We might get a mystery minutes this yep. week if we Oh, I'm down. Are yes. organized. We'll get there. But we can't promise. There's it. no promises with this podcast. There's never you any know, promises. It's amazing when we get them up week to week. Yeah. I think we're pretty good at least getting them up on Tuesdays. Yeah, that's... That's a real accomplishment. Or Last we're getting week like a seven out of ten for organisation yeah. here. <laughs> um, so I decided to go back to the Hellmouth of Adelaide, the greater Hellmouth area. The greater Hellmouth area. Which my last one was also in Adelaide. I just, I've got it in for Adelaide. You really clearly. do. If you were really like a triggered person that was from Adelaide, um, you might think that I had an issue with Adelaide I don't I've never been there I've heard it's actually <laughs> lovely but it's just that there's all these fucking crimes happening there I can't help that the best thing is when people you know not uh, probably not join the podcast group but generally just hear about us calling Glenelg the hell mouse yes. and they're sort of like but Glenelg is such a lovely it's place because so it is it's really yeah. nice I've yeah. been there too it's beautiful and upmarket yeah. and like the beaches are really gorgeous and mm-hmm. there is nothing but as all hells are, Josie. Yes. On the surface. Yeah. The devil wants you to come and it's play in his hellish playground. So he That's can what grab he wants. you. Because you're so not going to go hang out in some gross looking place. No. You want to go to the pretty upmarket beach. Exactly. And then he's got you. So he's got you. So we're just. Telling we're just the, the messengers facts. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're facts. Um, so this also happened in Adelaide. And it's kind of related to, well, some people have linked it to the Beaumont kids being the most famous, probably, Hellmouth case that we've covered. Um, so I said in the group, I gave like a, a teaser that it was to do with footy and people thought it was about the food poisoning at the oh, MCG, which I really want to do. That's definitely a Josie um, mood. But it's not. It's actually really bleak and it's not fun like people vomiting at the MCG. Aww. So here are some credits. Um, the Doe Network, D-O-E, as in like Jane Doe, okay. had an article about this case. There's a website called the Beaumontchildren.com, but it's now defunct. 
but I found this article in the Australian Missing Persons Register. So they had quoted this Beaumontchildren.com article and it had a lot of – had really good timeline kind of info Mm. but then I couldn't find the original article and I think that would have had more credits. Yeah. But But it's gone now. It's gone now. The Beaumontchildren.com doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. The Advertiser article from May 2016 by Andrew Dodell. A Courier Mail article from September 2014, no byline. The Advertiser, March 2015 by Brian Littley and the Sunday Mail 2013, no byline. So this is the disappearance of Joanne Ratcliffe and Kirsty Gordon. Kids being abducted. Mm. Just really lighthearted stuff for a Monday. So a bit of background, you're going to fall asleep. About, about <laughs> footy. going to fall asleep. <laughs> about footy. So currently in the oh, AFL. Oh, about footy. Okay. I, was, I thought you were being like, Melissa's bored. I'm like, no. I really have nothing to add here. It's very sad stuff. No, it's no, not I, funny. I need to give some footy background. So currently in the AFL, there's two Adelaide teams, Adelaide Crows, who lost on the weekend, and Port Adelaide Power, who also oh, lost on the weekend. Stupidest name. I know. I reshared your article last week. <laughs> Just um, so dumb. Really Power dumb. is such a con- – it's a concept. It's a concept. Don't call yourself a concept and anyway. And like, their logo is like a muscular arm holding a lightning bolt. <sighs> It's just <laughs> call yourselves the, the bolts thing. then. Um, they both lost on the weekend. The Giants beat Port Adelaide by one point. Josie's got a little smunty look on her my, face. Well, no, I'm actually angry because oh. it was very stressful. Because it was oh. by one point. Mm. And I'd already had a stressful day on Saturday. Yeah, it's not what you need. And I honestly was exhausted yesterday by just all the stress, including football. But anyway. So those teams joined the Crows in 1990. The power in 1997 officially became part of the AFL being the National League. But before that, Australian rules as a sport has always been really popular in South Australia. And there's been a state league for ages called the South Australian National Football League or Sandful. And that was like a really popular pastime for people to go and watch. And people were like really passionate about it. And that's what these girls were doing. On the 25th of August, 1973... There were 13,000 people, over 13,000 people, at the Adelaide Oval to watch a sandful game between North Adelaide and Norwood. I don't know where Norwood is. I don't know where any of that is. Um, So 11-year-old Joanne Ratcliffe went with her parents, Les and Kathleen Ratcliffe, and a family friend known only as Frank. Okay. In inverted commas. Four-year-old Kirsty Gordon also attended the match with her maternal grandma, who I could not find her name anywhere. So mm. literally for this whole story, I have to call her Kirsty's grandma, oh. which is really annoying. But they haven't named her for whatever reason. So she was looking after Kirsty. Her parents were away for the weekend. Um, a lot of reports said the families didn't know each other, but according to the Doe Network article, mm. the families had season tickets. So the Ratcliffe's knew Kirsty's grandma, but mm-hmm. it was Kirsty's first time going. Little yeah. little kid. So they knew each other. Like I have the same thing. We know the people in – you've come to the footy Yeah, with me. yeah, where you've got the – because you've got the yeah, allocated seats. Allocated so then you seats. sort of know them based off going yes, to football games. you're not like – you wouldn't say you're like friends. Like you're not calling them up and yes. being like come over for like apple tea cake yes. on Saturday. Yeah, but then when you see them you're like, hello. So we've got a little family in front of us that we yeah. know um, in our assigned seats which are right near the – bench where the football players come and stretch out oh, their Oh, that glutes. was a good time. It's nice, isn't it? This is an attractive time <laughs> for me. <laughs> it really is. So the footy game's happening. It was late August. So it was quite warm, like unseasonably warm. So everyone was like in good spirits, having a lovely time. Kirsty, as four-year-olds do, needed to pee at one point mm-hmm. and her grandmother and the Ratcliffs gave permission for Joanne to take her to the torch, which was 300 metres from their seats on the other side of the oval. I'm guessing there's a lot more toilets there now. <laughs> Yeah, so that's but that's pretty – I don't feel like that's such a weird thing to do. Yes, you would let the older girl take yeah. the kid to the toilet. Um, and they came back a short time later. Everything was fine. But then half an hour later, about 3.50 p.m., Kirsty needed to pee again. Oh, standard. Four-year-old bladders. Four-year-old bladders. They're like a pee. So the Ratcliffs and Kirsty's grandma let Joanne take her to the toilet again. But this time the girls didn't come back straight away like they had before. So after about 15 minutes, the Ratcliffs and Kirsty's grandma were becoming worried. 
they decide to split up and search the stadium grounds together. Um, Kirsty's grandma actually remained in the seats, though, in case the girls came back and were like, where's everyone gone? Um, <clears throat> according to this BeaumontKids.com story, Mrs Ratcliffe found the secretary of the ground and reported that the girls were missing and asked them to say an announcement over the loudspeaker. But the secretary said no, giving the reason that the crowd noise would drown out any message. Mm. And they wouldn't have had like big screens back then. Yeah, they wouldn't have. 1973. But I have a similar like segue because I basically did the same thing. My cousin and I went to the Sydney Swans game. I know the Giants didn't exist yet, guys. (laughs) I went to a Swans game (laughs) as a Swans supporter. I was 13. I didn't know any better. You didn't know any better. I think we were like year seven or eight. Yeah. 13, maybe 14. And like... You know, you don't want to hang out with your parents and they're like, cute boys there. So we just went around exploring the SCG. Yes, and very we, teenage thing to we do. We went right up to the top, mm-hmm. like as far as we could go. We're like, oh, this is pretty cool. We've been gone for ages. And then suddenly on the big screen were our names. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Mortified teenagers. <laughs> and a loudspeaker, like a guy said over the loudspeaker that like – We've not gone missing, but like, like if know, anyone can locate yeah. these two, and like report back to your, yeah, go back to your seats or like report to the yeah. blah blah. And we were so mortified, and we ran all the way back. And my auntie is like the most chill person in the world, and I've never seen her so angry. And at the time, I was just like, "Whoa, calm down!" And when I was researching this story, I was like, "Of course, she reacted that way. It literally happened." Yeah, and um, this stuff happens, and like, it does. I, yeah, I th- I think when I was a I was a nanny. And I lost one of the kids oh in a play centre. Yeah. And the thing is, is that your rational brain goes, okay, well, the likelihood that they're just here somewhere and have like disappeared yeah. into that mass of, you know, those play centres and they're like, they're like actual hell mouths. They're yeah. like these like <laughs> looming towers. And like I can see as a kid how fun it would be. But as a yes. minder, it's like you cannot see your child. No. In the mass of children and, and the mass of like coloured balls flying everywhere. And so anyway, so I lost what, this the little boy and I was like, okay, likelihood is he's just in there somewhere. Mm. Worst case scenario though. Mm. And the longer time goes on, the more you start to you go, down, let that go down that road. Anyway, we found him. It was all fine. But um, I know that panic. It's yes. like this panic of like Cold. there's nothing you can do if they're gone. Yeah. So. And you don't want to be that person yeah. as well. Yeah. Which is what I was thinking about Kirsty's grandma. Yeah. Like because the parents were away, she'd just be like – God, I want to take her to the football. She clearly wanted to go to the football game. Was yeah. Like, I'll take the kid. It's fine. And it should be fine. It, it should, should be, be fine. fine. Yeah. And all of these things so far, mm. like nothing about this is like a, everyone would do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so after the Ratcliffs had no luck on their initial search, Kirsty's grandmother joined them looking and they spent the rest of the match searching for the girls behind the grandstands in the car park. There was a bowling area nearby and tennis courts. They looked there. And in all the female toilets, Mr. Ratcliffe was convinced that Joanne would not have left the oval, quote, on her own steam. Like she was a really well-behaved kid. Yep. They also had this, I kept reading, they had this family rule about when you're allowed to pee mm. at the football. Like they didn't want you to go and it was going to be really busy because it would be easy for you to get lost. So yep. they had this rule that you couldn't go in like the fourth quarter or something. I can't remember. It wasn't super relevant to the story, so I didn't include it's it. It's just kind of like they obviously like she's a good kid. Yes, and, and she knew to come back. She wasn't one to like go yeah. off into masses of crowds. And yes, and especially because she was quite um, she was quite maternal apparently and like offered to take her to the toilet and like took it really seriously that she was looking after this kid, mm. even just on a walk to the toilet. She would take that quite seriously. So then the match ended and Les Ratcliffe, Joanne's dad, was finally able to get an announcement made over the loudspeaker and also the girl's disappearance was reported to police. At this point, they were able to find several witnesses who had seen the girls over a 90-minute period, which makes sense because it was busy, it was broad daylight, there would be people that saw them but probably didn't think anything was out of the ordinary until... It's a police investigation, which is kind of what happened. There was a kid named Anthony. He was 13 and he worked selling lollies at the Oval, like going around with like a thing strapped to him, selling them in the stands. So he had had to kind of move because two girls were coming down the stairs and then he said he saw a man, quote, running or trotting after them, which is so creepy. Yeah. Um, 
he said the man caught up to them and then just lifted the smaller girl, presumably Kirsty, up and carried her towards the gates of the Oval Grounds. He said that the older girl, so Joanne, had looked panicked and, quote, grabbed at the man. Anthony said he told her to take off or something and I thought he must have been a friend and they just had an argument. What, an older man is friends with an 11-year-old girl. And, like, what? (laughs) All of that is so strange. Like, no. Um, But then he said the man grabbed the bigger girl, like, by the arm and he was still carrying the small girl and they headed towards the tennis courts and then he lost sight of them. Then the next witness was the assistant curator of the Oval, a man named Ken Walling. He said he saw the two girls trying to lure kittens out from under a car. Apparently there are a lot of stray cats Mm -hmm. lived at the Oval. Um, Les Ratcliffe later said his daughter Joanne loved cats and dogs. And also that's definitely something I would do as a kid as well. Same. That would be so like within her You'd be like, mum and dad are going to let me keep these 10 tiny kittens. 10 tiny like feral kittens that I found. I remember there was a stray cat living at Newcastle Uni when I went there. And I just, it's like with Gizmo, I've just got a big heart, you know, for animals. <laughs> and I saw this stray cat and I got upset. And so I went to the sandwich bar. I'm like, can I just buy a plate of the, you know, the chicken that they put on your chicken salad yeah, sandwich? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, $2 or whatever it yeah. was. And then I took the <laughs> plate oh of my chicken God. over to the hole where I'd seen the cat living under the building. And my friend was like, you've got too big a heart. I'm yeah. like, you're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> She's also like, that cat's probably just eating mice. It's yes, fine. Yes, it's like, fine. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I was doing it when I went to Thailand a couple of years ago. There was stray cats oh, living yeah. at our resort. Everywhere. And I was taking things from the breakfast buffet and dropping them down. <laughs> you're the problem. Yeah, I'm the you problem. You are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I can't. So I can totally relate to mm. Joanne and Kirsty wanting to get these cats out. Um. Ken said a man joined the girls and said, I can get them out for you, kittens. He said he then saw the man heading towards the southern gate of the Oval with the two girls following behind him. Mm. So he might have said, come with me and I'll... Mm. Um, There were four more sightings of the two girls and the man who witnesses all said he wore a hat and he was older, maybe even old enough to be their grandfather. And this really hurts my heart. In three of the sightings, witnesses said Joanne appeared really distressed and was grabbing and thumping him, like yeah. trying to get him to put Kirsty down. Why would no one stop this person? <sighs> like, it's probably that no mm, awkward thing. And like yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like today maybe it would happen, but in the seventies, you're sort of like even that whole conversation around like if you see something, say something. You know, like yeah. that. Which really, I feel like that more came after like nine eleven. Yes. For me, I mean, like maybe that's also coincides with me and my age. like a train station mm-hmm. or an airport. It Where before like you just went, oh, it's not my business. I don't want to like yeah, intrude on people's involved. lives. Whereas now it's a bit more like if you see something odd, you're more likely to kind of yep. intervene or at least go and alert someone immediately mm. or, you know, at something. At least you've done your like due diligence almost. Yeah. And I understand because I feel like, you know, you, it's like when you see a kid having a fight, like a tantrum in public and yes. you're like, okay, well, it's actually none of my business and yes. I have enough understanding to know that kids can sometimes be little assholes. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like if one kid's being picked up and the other one's like mm. screaming. Screaming and like put it down, put it down. That so seems a man driving past, he said he almost stopped the car because she did look so distressed. Mm-hmm. But then he decided to mind his own business, which mm. that poor guy now must He'd be like. He'd terrible, but I understand. Yeah. I do. And it's, I think it's that whole thing now where parents are teaching kids, if they do get taken or whatever, to say not help or, mm. but to say, I don't know him or her. Yeah. Instead, like that's a bit more, if you saw a kid like going help, help, like, eh, you might just be like, oh, it sounds a bit weird, but maybe it's just being a little shit. But if it's like, I don't know him, yeah. then you'd be like, okay, I'm going to tell someone because that, that's a bit more, I don't know him, help me. Yeah. And I also feel like parents and like, I think what it is as well is maybe we all need to be more like, no, she's fine, but thank you so much for caring like, yeah. or for like saying something because I feel like also you worried that the parent is going to be like upset or yes, angry at you like for interfering their, with their business. Yeah. And I get that. Like I get all sides of this, you yeah. know, but I feel like if, the, it's almost like the culture needs to change that, mm. you know, if a kid, even if they're just having a tantrum, it's like, don't just assume, go and say yeah. what's going on. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's yeah. hard. Oh, it's such a hard one. Well, there was a thing recently where a guy got – someone reported a guy going into a toilet with a girl mm. and it was his daughter. Yeah. And there was like a lot of outrage that, oh, man, can't even go into the toilet with his daughter. But it's like that person was just doing the right thing. Yeah, and know? that dad's probably, you know, it's like wouldn't you want someone to report it in case it was your kid Yeah, and they were with a stranger that – they shouldn't be with mm. and something bad was going down. I would. But then it's like the amount of times I went into toilets with my dad because I had single, like single parents. Yeah. So he had no choice but to take me with him. Yeah. And if you're, if you're that young, you have to. And it's like, what if he got reported every time we went to the toilet in public? That would yeah. be like 50 times. <laughs> yeah. It'd be exhausting. It's, it's a really complicated one, yeah, I guess. It is. Um, so... Susie is um, Joanne's sister. So Mm. she was born four years after Joanne disappeared and she's worked tirelessly for this case but also missing persons in Australia. And she said in a morning bulletin article, I'm so incredibly proud of Jo because I know she fought. She fought so hard to get Kirsty back from that man. People say to me, why didn't she run away? But she was given a responsibility that day to look after Kirsty and not let her out of sight under any circumstances, and she stuck with it. She had a temper like you wouldn't believe, so she would have given him hell. She fought to try and keep Kirsty safe. Oh, that's really upsetting. And she probably, like, she couldn't have imagined where it was going to go. She was probably just like, got to get this kid back. And We're going to be in trouble. Loyal. Yeah, and she's just being loyal yeah. and, like, protective. and Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, I wish... She'd run away, but then it's still like oh, it's still one. Yeah, I know, but it is it is that thing of like one life could have been yeah. saved, but then you know, yeah, because it sounds like he was only interested in Kirsty. He just wanted to take and, like the he told her to go away. Mm. Um, and it is that weird thing how pedophiles do have like certain age ages that they <sighs> like, and Kirsty um, Joanne was getting to like the puberty stage, and some of them yeah, she was an that. older kid, just gross. Um, so after the few sightings, the two girls were never seen again. And that was almost 46 years ago. So as I said, Susie's campaign tirelessly, she runs a missing persons organization called Leave a Light On. She named it that because her mum kept a porch light on in case Joanne ever found her way oh, home. Oh my God. I know, it hurts my heart. Um, last year she managed to get the reward for this case up to 1 million. Wow. Her mission was to get answers for her mum, Kathleen, before she passed away. But unfortunately, in March this year, Mrs. Ratcliffe passed away um, after a long illness. Les Ratcliffe, Joanne and Susie's dad died eight years after Joanne went missing. He died of cancer. So neither of them ever found out what happened to Joanne. Um, Kirsty's parents, Greg and Christine, also appeared in the media a lot, pleading for answers or for people to come forward with information. In 2016, they spoke to the advertiser about the struggle of losing Kirsty to a predator, with Greg pointing out that he refused to become a, quote, collateral victim himself. So this is what he said. From the time of the abduction, we had to determine how we were to go on with our lives. At the core of our thinking was that the perpetrator had claimed Kirsty as a victim, but that he should be denied any further collateral victims. We would do this by maintaining strength in our conviction that we are survivors and that the blame lies inter- entirely with the perpetrator. Which I really like. Yeah. It's like you can't go, oh, it's their fault for going to the toilet or the, these people's fault for letting them go to the toilet. Yeah. It's, people shouldn't take kids. That's the end that is, it is, and I think, and I think it's that I hate that thing where that people start blaming parents. Like it's like when kids get abducted walking to school, mm. and it's that thing of like, no, mm. that should be fine yes. and normal. And for yeah. a lot of kids, it is fine and normal. And I think as a parent, the decision to let your child walk to school or go to the toilet mm. on their own or go to the toilet with an older child taking mm-hmm. them, who like you know, so they don't get lost because she was four. Yes, all of that is totally acceptable to me parent behavior yeah and it's similar in that way that we you know when we blame rape victims Mm. for what they were wearing or or what they were doing or how they were behaving that night it's like that's bullshit yeah don't abduct kids don't rape women and I know that it's just people trying to protect Mm. other children and women from the same fate but I think at the end of the day we have to accept this shit happens it's very wrong and if we start blaming parents or mm. behaviors then we you know it like he says like it's 
it then be- means that they become yeah. collateral and I don't think that's fair at all. And then they have guilt and I don't think they should feel guilt for anything that they did. No. Because they did nothing yeah. wrong. Yeah, the guilt lies with this man. Yeah. And I think this is what I was struggling with a lot when I first found out I was having a baby mm. because then I started going, I started going, oh, I'm scared to have a miscarriage. Then I'm like, I'm scared that I'll that it will die of SIDS. Then I'm scared that when it goes to school, will I let it walk? Will I let it have a phone? Will I let it go on the internet? Then when it goes to high school, when it goes to uni, mm. when it starts going out, you can't live like that. Yeah. You, no. you actually have to put some trust into the universe mm-hmm. and into society that people won't. Like I walk to school every single day yeah. from year four to 12. Same. And quite a like decent distance. And you know, nothing happened to me. Yeah. And you've just got to kind of, my doctor was like, what are the odds? <laughs> what are the odds yeah. of it happening? But it can. It can, but, but it kind still of can't be on that. you. Yeah. yeah. And it's that thing of like, you know, there were probably so many times that all of us, you know, missed potential, being potential victims of something. Yes. You know, there's so many, you know, and it can be anything from like a car accident to, being abducted yeah but it's, you can't live your life yeah. that way and then you can't I think and it would be so easy to go down that road you cannot go down the guilt road mm. if it happened to yeah, it your happen. child um but I totally understand how people do do that yeah of course um but I love that he came out and Me said too. that because he took the power off the person you know yeah he took the power back and it also means like that w- that's what's so horrific with abduction cases and we've talked about this a lot is that you know these girls get abducted and then their families live with this not knowing what happened to them but also all of these what ifs for the rest of their lives so I kind of love that he's turned a bit of that on its head and gone well no I'm not going to sit here and go over this thing in my head a hundred million times and blame myself because it's not me it's this fuck face Faceless, nameless, evil demon mm. from the hell mouth. That's horrible. So there was a coronial inquest in 1979, six years later, and the coroner said, neither girl has been seen or heard of since the afternoon of 25th, 25th of August 1973, despite extensive inquiries and investigation. This fact, coupled with the evidence of the witnesses, indicates, in my view, that it's probable that both girls were taken either by force or under duress from Adelaide Oval by some man whose identity at present has not been established. But I earnestly trust that he will be apprehended in due course and made to answer for the heinous crime. But that happened 40 years ago and Mm. it still remains unsolved. There are a few suspects though. Mm -hmm. So this is where I got confused because two of them almost have the same name. So I thought there are only two suspects. There's three. So the first is Arthur Stanley Brown. Mm -hmm. So witnesses saw this man with the hat... um, and they gave enough info to create a sketch of the suspect. I'll put it in the group. It's like one of those Mr. Cruel, not Mr. Cruel, Wax Man. What was his name? Rackman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rackman. Um, I don't want to see it again. It's kind of a yeah, creepy Yeah, no one tagged anyone in the Rackman picture. It's the worst. Don't do it. But um, it's this guy's got kind of like a long face, like a droopy kind of mouth and hat, a hat on. And he looks like this horrible man named Arthur Stanley Brown who was known for preying on children. His own family believe he's a serial killer who travelled from state to state. Mm. So in 1998, he was charged with the 1970 rape and murders of five and seven-year-olds, Judith and Susan Mackay or Mackay. I think that happened in Queensland. He was never convicted. Um, the trial didn't happen until 1999. I didn't look into this case at all because it was it like been a whole, whole... Yeah, it would have been like a whole other case. Other rabbit hole. Um, but basically the jury at the trial in 1999 couldn't reach a verdict and a retrial couldn't go ahead because he had degenerative Alzheimer's and so he wasn't right. fit to stand yeah. trial. Right, Fucking asshole. Um, so this woman, Mim Moss, is a relative of his through marriage and she said he was in Adelaide around the time of Joanne and Kirsty's disappearance. Um, as he told her sister he'd visited just after Festival Hall opened, which took place in 1973. It was a stone's throw from the Oval. He also became a suspect in the abduction of the three Beaumont kids back Mm. in 1966. But a lack of evidence meant he couldn't be charged with either of these Adelaide disappearances. There's also a thing I read where they wanted to investigate him for the Beaumonts, but then there was 
a flood or a fire and some evidence got destroyed. Of course it did. Oh, standard. Just like the did. evidence was probably like literally lying on a pier. Yes. Like waiting for the water <laughs> to get. That would be the way that it would go with these old cases. I know. Honestly. It's so annoying. Um, he died in 2002 having never been charged with any crime. Oh. So I haven't looked into that Mackay thing at all, but it looks like he did that it. That guy is sus as fuck. So, so he's very sus. Um, then the second guy, so that guy's Arthur Stanley Brown. Mm-hmm. This guy's Stanley Arthur Hart. Um, okay, well, I, I see confused. where you, yeah, I see where this all happened. And he also looks like the sketch, although they don't look alike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, well, the yeah. sketch to me, I mean, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like tall, long-faced yeah. hat man, so. Yes. Um, and, like, in the media they've found pictures of them both in hats, mm. like actual pictures of these guys. So Arthur Stanley Brown in a hat, like yelling at whoever's taking the photo, must be like outside court and he's yeah. like, back off. And so his, his mouth is droopy because he's yelling. And then the other one, Stanley Arthur Hart, he, he must have been some kind of service man because he's got that that hat on Jaunty hat. where there's like one side's mm-hmm. up, like the old soldier's Yeah, and it's got the little hat. chin He's got the bit. chin strap and... So he and he's got a droopy mouth and he looks like the sketch. So they're not the same person, but they are both total grubs. I've written here. <laughs> um, Stanley Arthur Hart was a quote notorious pedophile. That was from the Morning Bulletin. I didn't say it was a notorious pedophile. They did. He was a huge fan of the North Adelaide Football Club who were playing uh, that day, okay. and he never missed a game. His family said that he didn't go with them, but he never missed a game. And yep. It was a final, so he would have been there. Um, it's thought he was very likely to have been there. His grandson, also a pedophile. What? Yeah. I didn't the fuck? Yeah. I didn't go down this road either. Yeah, I, like, I mean, I want to go down this road because I want to know what the fuck's going on there. But Yeah. So his grandson, who as an adult became a pedophile. And he like, a, like, a, like a pedophile like a, that actually committed crimes? Yes. Okay, yeah. great. That's fantastic um, news, not. <laughs> so he laid a claim that as a child – he saw Stanley wearing a hat and overcoat, just like the one the man in the sketch was wearing, to the football. But to be fair, in the 60s and 70s, yeah, that was quite mm. a common look, you know, especially with older men that were, like, yeah. keeping up like the Like I was going to say, the hat business is not a thing. But yeah. to be, like, I can see how they went down this road. Like, if you are a convicted pedophile, yes. mm-hmm. pretty, like, you're going to become a number one suspect in that yep. situation. Um. So he was a person of interest, but again, he could never be linked like substantially yeah. to the crimes. He died in 1999, but he remained a person of interest so much so that um, his own family were pointing the finger at him saying he had two properties he could have potentially dumped the girls' bodies in at the time. Mm. So the first one was in Yatina. I don't know if I'm saying that, that right. It's in the north of the state, South Australia. So that was searched in 2014. There were like wells oh. on the property and they searched them. Um, there's an ABC News article from 2014 that quotes des- Detective Inspector Greg Hutchins as saying, the previous occupant of the Yatina property is one of a number of people who have been linked to the girl's disappearance over the years. But to date, police have been able to substantiate his involvement. The man has previously been interviewed by detectives but died in 1999. I stress that the current owners of the property being searched are in no way involved. Police are keeping an open mind of who may have been involved and won't rule anyone in or out. To date, no evidence has been found at the well site, so there's a possibility the man who owned the property years ago may not be responsible for the girl's disappearance. This search is about finalising one line of inquiry. So So they didn't find anything. They didn't find anything there. Then in 2015, they received information about a property in Prospect... No idea where that is, mm-hmm. but I can pronounce it. With an underground bunker. Oh. So that was apparently Hart's childhood home that he had access to around the time the girls were abducted. The underground bunker part was filled in in 1975 and they went missing in 1973. Oh. So I couldn't, I looked, this is what I was doing this morning still. I couldn't find any info on whether police actually searched it. So they'd been told about it. Mm. And Susie Wilkinson, Joanne's sister, was trying to push them into like looking at it she said if it means they have to go in there and dig up the backyard to check it out then that's what should be done if they're not going to investigate it properly then i'll get it done but i couldn't find any update on whether she has or whether or she had 
um, and the case is still unsolved. So they clearly, if it had been searched, haven't it, found no, anything. Yeah, evidence that's been found. So the third suspect, well, not maybe not suspect, but just an interesting person. Of interest. Interesting person. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'll say interesting person because I don't want to get sued. <laughs> is yep. uh, Frank, the friend that was there. Oh, yep. I, you know what? When you said he didn't have a last name. Yeah. Just Frank. In I was inverted commas. So yep. that's not even his real name. So Frank's the name given to the friend that was with the Ratcliffs on the day of the girl's disappearance. So there's a couple of weird things about him that have come up in the years since. So Kathleen, Joanne's mum, told the Sunday Mail in 2013 that this man left his seat for about 30 minutes just before the girls disappeared during mm. the footy match. Interesting. Um, and then he came back and that's when they were like, oh, the girls are gone. What? So, but then, then there were sightings of the man and the girls for like 90 minutes. So I don't think it was him, but maybe he might have had something to do with it. Yeah. Maybe he just well, yeah, that's where poo, my mind. You know? Well, that's it. And maybe he went to get a beer. Maybe ran into a friend. Yeah, there's a lot of things that could normally, you know, happen in that situation. I've left my seat for 30 minutes at a football match, and yeah. I haven't abducted. Oh, anyone. yeah, and those things when they're packed, it yeah. can take you 30 minutes just to get a meat pie. Yes, so that doesn't happen at my games because we don't have any fans. But <laughs> at a big game like this, yes, at a final, yeah, it'd be pretty busy. Um, in the 1979 inquest, Kirsty Gordon's grandma, who I don't know the name of, said, "quote The other man." meaning Frank, stayed in his seat when they were frantically searching for the girls. So mm. he didn't even get up and help, which he could have just been really invested in the game and thought... Uh, everything's going to be fine and kids, they're just two kids They're annoying kids. Away. I'm mm-hmm. grouchy. I'm a grouchy 1973-type man. Yeah. And, and then didn't care. they say that they left a couple of people there to... They left the grandma there and then they all got up and searched. Oh, okay. But he never got up and helped. Mm, that is slightly weird. It is a bit weird. I feel like if it was that they were like, okay, two people need to stay here mm. and you don't really care because they're not your kids and you think they're just being stupid yeah. little shits, yeah. you, you might be like, okay, I'll volunteer because I just want to watch this fucking game yes, and they're not my fucking, fucking kids. Final. Yeah. But once everyone's panicking, yes. I feel like as a family mate, friend, you'd yeah. be like contributing. I know. But he could just be a bit weird. Yeah. He like, could be. Like some people are genuinely just like a little bit sociopathic or psychopathic or whatever, where it's like they don't have that emotional thing. Yeah. But they're not actually like dangerous people. They, they just can't empath- They couldn't. He couldn't maybe empathize with the panicked. Yeah, at a final that they were having. Like you know, those people that are calm work. always, and yeah. they're just like it's fucking fine it's until fine. it's not. And like the whole thing with sociopaths is they. Um, I love how we've just branded this Frank man. I know we've diagnosed it. I know. They just don't pick up on those normal emotions. So if you, you know, if I was at the football with you and you came back all panicked, I'd be like, okay, I'd I'd feel panicked because you were panicked. Yeah. But he just wouldn't, if he was a sociopath, wouldn't feel panicked at all. So he'd just stay there. Um, the article says Joanne's family does not accuse him of being involved. They simply say every lead must be fully explored. Yeah. Meaning, um, explaining that Susie had written to police pleading for investigators to rule him out. Yeah. As a link to the crime, but had no success. So they wouldn't investigate him. No. See, I get that from her. I get that from all sides again. I don't know why I'm being so like devil's advocate here, but from her, I get it because these things often it's someone that knows the kids, you know, like it's like they say with most abuse and, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's more likely to happen at the hands of someone that yes. the child knows yeah. than it is for like a random person to come in and just take yes. a child. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it's so important to, I guess, listen to your kids when they say that, you know, such and such did this or whatever yeah. and not just assume that they're being, you know, because, yeah. oh, they're such a nice man or such yes. a nice lady, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but then, so I understand why she's gone, okay, well, some weird behaviour from this mm. person, mm, maybe investigate him. But then also I understand how police aren't just going to go, okay, Every, he sat down yeah. <laughs> and didn't get up and help with that mm. snot and he went to get a potentially a pie for yes. 30 minutes. Like these are not enough reasons to like invade yeah. a person's life. Yeah. And, and like kind of put that whole pedophile or child sex offender label, even when you're getting investigated, there's a great SVU episode where there's a teacher or some kind of coach and some young girls start pointing the finger at him. And then it's this kind of 
it's an interesting study and like hysteria because mm. then all these other kids start coming forward. But it turned out the first girl was lying and all the other kids were lying. But this guy's name is being dragged through the mud as being in the same sentence as he raped me. Or yeah. And then he, you know, loses his job and he's like, now I can never get another job teaching. Like you've ruined my life basically. And it was really, it was really interesting. But like that's why the police would be hesitant to just investigate every single person. But Susie's pretty gung-ho, of course, Yes, about it. So I agree with you. I can see why they didn't just immediately jump on that. So it's kind of weird, but again, it can be explained yeah. by him being a pie-loving sociopath. Yes, it's fine. Exactly. There is a weird link, though. Okay. This probably has nothing to do with anything. I just couldn't not put it in. Okay. To my last case, the family murders. So this man, Frank, sold his house to murderer Bevan Spencer von Einem's mother in the late 70s. <gasps> Oh, my God. So his house I'm was telling then, you, it's the hell now. <laughs> was then owned by – and he lived with his mum, remember? Yes. So that means Bevan Spencer von Einem was probably living in Frank's old house. Frank in inverted commas. Whoa. It's I mean, weird. it's literally nothing, it's but nothing. I'm also just obsessed with that connection. Yeah, I know. I've written – I don't know what that means, but it's pretty wild to me. <laughs> it's, it's a demon thing. It's, it's definite hell mouth activity. So that's, that's the whole case. It's just never – it's one of the most famous – Adelaide related crimes, but it's just never been resolved. They've never found their remains. Yeah. So all these suspects, I don't know about Frank's, that's not his real name, but the, the ones that were legit like pedophiles and were in the area died without being, I think it's still like, I guess, active because there's the reward money. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's never been it's a resolution. It's likely that they're not going to yeah. find them. It's very sad. It's really sad. Mm. Who did you feel you most felt like was responsible one of the, potentially? One of the grubby pedophiles. Yeah. I reckon. Um, I'm leading towards the one that was at the game. Yes. That um, Stanley Arthur Hart. Yeah. He does look a lot like the picture too. I'll put all the pictures in the group so you can decide. Yes. Based on one drawing one of a man <laughs> in a hat. Drawing of a man in a hat and then a convenient picture of another man in a hat. Um, yeah, it seems like it might, I don't know. I lean towards him. I think just because and the other guy, I get it, like he's, he's connected to other cases and did jump from state to state, but then to be actually at the game, likely, because if you went to every game, it's a final, yes. there's, you're pretty much 99% going to be yep. there to have that history and then for this to happen and you kind of look like the sketch. Yeah. That's a lot of There's a few red ticks. flags. Yeah. Red flags galore there. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's like that's – it kind of comes back to like what I was saying about it's usually someone that you know. Mm. With these things, it's usually like the most logical yes. answer. What's which that is, called? Occam's Razor? I think so. That I don't theory? know if Occam's Razor is the opposite of that. Oh, I actually have no – I've never understood what Occam's razor know, is. Sometimes – I'm not going to be mean. Older people, I'm going to say. Yeah. Put that in the group and I'm like, what? What now? It's like <laughs> my brain is like that lady <laughs> meme lady? With, the, with the maths lady. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, what? what I'm like trying to work Sandra? out what this means. <laughs> well, I just feel like it just constantly pops up. And those things are always worded like West hath the – person's A yeah. to the person's B times C is the likely of D or something. It's like always written or confusing as well. Does it write, is it written confusing? I've, I've Googled Occam's Razor Explained. Yeah. Because we need... Closure. We need it. Suppose there exists two explanations for an occurrence. See? With two explanations... Stop saying words like that. ...for this abduction. In this case, the one that requires the least speculation is usually correct. Yeah. So the less of a reach. That Yeah, it's the least reach, but they always write it all stupid like that. And I don't know. Look, I don't think I'm dumb, okay? Yeah. But I just – can we not use big words when explaining complicated things as is? I yeah. just think – Just make say it, the most make logical explanation is probably the right one. Yeah. Don't say Occam's razor. Stop saying Occam's razor. Razor especially is very confusing it's in that. It's very. It doesn't make any sense. It says here, no another way. Why is it a razor? I don't know. Another way of saying it is that the more assumptions you have to make, the more unlikely an explanation. So that's the thing. The more you have to reach, the less yeah. likely. So Occam's razor would mean it's just like. Occam would hate reaching. 
Occam. Who is Occam? I don't know. Occam. He. It's a man. I've decided. Occam is a is an annoying man, and he's sort oh. of short, and he's got a little like a top no, hat, but around. That's yeah. not. It's he, William of Occam. Oh well. Who came up with this? Well, I wanted to call. I was going down a real tangent <laughs> of who Occam was. There's a picture of him. Does he have got a rounded top hat on? No, he's got a rounded head of hair. Oh my he's god, from he's the like literally century. like a yeah, he's like a ye oldie, he's like medieval, medieval painting man. He's a medieval friar. I always think those people just would look like that. Like they just peel off the wall, they'd be like two dimensional yeah. painting people walking around. <laughs> um yes, yeah, so Occam's razor. Wow, we've gone down a real tangent here. But the point being it would be him because that <laughs> seems you look like the picture, you love footy, you're a dirty pedo, then it's probably you. Yeah. I'm just saying that now. He's dead. I can't oh, get yeah. sued they can't, they can't get us for, for this. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think with the other one, it's sort of those things where there's not enough evidence yes. there. To me. I mean, not, yeah. not, not there's any evidence, but there's not enough mm. like coincidence. Yes. It's like, okay, so you're in the area maybe, maybe at the time because someone that person. knows you said that maybe you are. Mm. Whereas this guy's like, okay, mm. every other time there's been a footy game, you've mm. been there. Mm-hmm. And he and wore that's the, the thing. Hat. I, oh, where did I read this? Like, maybe I don't know if I was reading a fiction book based on real life or what I was reading, but it was about m- murder or something dark and horrible like that. Mm. And it was tracking the. Oh, I know what it was. I think it was the Shark Net, which I'm obsessed with, and I've mentioned before, which mm-hmm. is that book by Robert Drew that's based on oh, real yes, life events. Yes, but yeah. he that he experienced, but is actually fiction. Um, and it's like when the killer is thinking about killing again and it's sort of like they're just having like a moment where they're like, this is something I want to do again, you know, and they're sort of – it's yeah. not necessarily like planned out in advance by weeks and weeks. It's, mm. I mean, I don't know if that's even true. I don't know if he just made that up and it's fictional. But yeah. my point being, however the brain works, I imagine there's a lot of impulse involved. Mm-hmm. Like a crime of opportunity. You might have just yeah. seen them Well, that's it. go and to the toilet the first time and then he exactly. sees them again he's like – and it kind of seemed like he followed them or maybe said, come on, I'll show you some cats or yeah, he had a bit of a plan. But like maybe he had a plan and then he came to the football game and saw them and he was like, they're the ones. Well, maybe he saw many other kids like we were saying. Mm-hmm. You never know how close you come to exactly being the victim of someone like that. Like he might have seen a kid and then the kid was with his dad. So he scratches that off the list. Yeah. Goes for these ones that are unsupervised. And clearly he liked the younger girl, but he knew that he could get rid of a 11-year-old girl. Like she was no match for him, whereas like a big man that's with his kid. You're not oh, yeah, exactly. It's definitely like that opportunistic Yeah, so you just don't know. It's me. just horrible because I go to the footy every week. I'm like, am I just sitting here amongst like potential predators? Oh, my God. I think about this constantly. Oh, I'm on the bus. I, <laughs> you know, I think about this all the yeah. time, how often I'm near like a murderer or a rapist or a pedophile. Yeah. Like I can't, I my new thing that I've been thinking about is like, how easy it would be on the bus or the train to just like stab someone in the back of the neck. And I constantly think of that <laughs> bus right. story that I told at Selfish Weekend, which we should really record those stories because they were great. Mm. I mean, not great, like great in the sense that we told them all spicy, but not great because they were really bad things that happened. But Oh, mine was fun. Well, yours was fun. Mine was depressing. So For mine, once I had a fun one. You did. Yours and I had the bleak. really dark, sad, <laughs> horrible one. Um I told the Greyhound bus incident in Canada, which was where a man, um, a mentally ill man, um, just out of nowhere stabbed this Mm. guy to death and then like ate him and it was horrible. But the point being is like Mm -hmm. just wrong place, wrong time to have a horrible thing happen to you. I know. Care of someone else who isn't well or Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. just a psychopath or is just an evil piece of shit. Yeah. Um, or all three. And I think about this too much now because yeah. now I'm just constantly paranoid. But, but then it's that whole thing of you just can't. Like yeah, we exactly. I think what we've learned from this episode <laughs> is that it's, you know, shit things happen and like these awful, awful, awful things happen. But you can't blame yourself if you're connected to it because the, the actions that you take by like, you know, them letting the kids go mm-hmm. to the bathroom on their own, that's normal. Yeah. Like – 
you should be able to do that. She's mm. an 11 year old girl yep. taking a four year old. She's well aware of like, you know, she's not going to lose the four year old kid. She's not, yeah. I think to me personally, and I know it's obviously up to each person what they think, but I think that's a totally acceptable age. I think I was about 11 when mum started leaving me at home with Kate, my mm. sister, when they went to dinner and stuff. Like that was the age where they were like, okay, 10, 11, you're kind of old yeah. enough to know you know, yeah. what to do in a crisis and not to like burn the house down. Mm-hmm. And and I think I was allowed, like I said, I was allowed to catch public transport, walk home from about 10, like year five, yeah. probably maybe year four even, I think, yeah. you know. And, and I hate when these things happen and then there's all this discourse about like, oh, they shouldn't have done this, they shouldn't have done that because that's fucked. Like mm. bad things happen and mm. it's tragic and it's on the perpetrator yes they're not the on anyone else people to blame no exactly the only people to blame the only people to blame are the murderers and the pedophiles and the rapists mm-hmm. well i mean that was really bleak but it was interesting yeah i promise i'm gonna do something more fun next time she is actually we've had whole whole discussions <laughs> about <laughs> fun fun stories for josie to fun do times um but that's it bye bye